Rise, rise, rise. Go to market leaders have to fill a lot of roles. Today's guest says that of many jobs, his most important one is fueling revenue success. This episode features an interview with Jason Rushforth, senior vice president and general manager for the Americas at Sugar CRM. Jason emphasizes the importance of doing your research and asking questions to set yourself up for success. He and Ian will talk building pipeline, critical tools, and aligning cross operational teams. Rise of RevOps is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified's Pipeline Cloud is the future of pipeline generation for revenue teams that use Salesforce. Learn more about the Pipeline Cloud on Qualified.com. Welcome to Rise of RevOps. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and today we are joined by a special guest. Jason, how are you? I'm awesome. How are you doing? Thank you for having me today. Yeah, so excited to have you on the show talking sugar talking uh, RevOps. So let's get into it. How did you first get started in RevOps? Uh, It's a great question with a very long answer that I'll try (laughs) and synthesize for you because I don't think a lot of people end their university career and go straight into a RevOps type function. I was actually a network engineer building Cisco wide area networks. Later, I was invited to go work for a software company as a technical pre-sales person back in the late 1990s. And through that journey and experience, you know, I worked my way up and now we go to market teams driving revenue for SaaS companies. And so, yeah, flash forward to today, tell us uh, what it means to be uh, SVP and GM of America is a sugar. I have the best job in the company, in my opinion. It's a very difficult job, but it's the best job. My remit in my current role is to drive all things revenue for North America and Latin America at Sugar CRM. So when I think about that, I think about retention, you know, renewals, upsell, cross-sell, driving new logo revenue and, and services revenue associated with the SaaS deals that we're signing and, and all of that falls within my remit. So teams of people working together in tandem to drive you know, great outcomes for the business. And how do you think about RefOps? What's your definition? It's a funny thing because when I first was invited to the show, I was like, revenue operations, well, isn't that a function inside of a SaaS organization for booking and revenue recognition? And then I started really peeling it back, thinking about it. And yeah, there's a lot of cogs in the wheel to drive revenue. And, and those cogs in the wheel are from everything from marketing to sales, to service, to product, to delivery, to customer experience. So to me, it's about the alignment of the objectives and goals and driving the operational function that is cross-functional to achieve growth and, and successful outcomes for from a revenue perspective. I like you you have an analogy about RevOps like the layers of the cake. Can you can you tell us more about that? You know, I, I posted that article, I posted a article on LinkedIn and that you know it was a funny thing because I'm not that active in posting my ideas on LinkedIn. But I was talking to a buddy who was new in a go-to-market leadership role and I, and I was having a coffee with them and I said, it's it's like the layers of a cake. And I started describing the functional requirements to build a successful go-to-market organization. And each layer of the cake, as a baker, you need science to, to you know actually bake the cake, to get consistency, to get the color, the flavor and everything you want out of it. And 
the actual topping on the cake is your creative and artistic freedom to put the cherries, the fondant, and decorate it as you will. But I think that, you know, my analogy of the layers of the cake are each aspect that requires detailed analysis and follow through as a go-to-market leader. And, you know, I start with the base layer. The base layer is people, right? You need to have the foundation of people on your in your organization that are driving to a common goal, that want to participate in the revenue game. And then, you know, you start working your way up the cake and you get things like enablement. How are we training our people? Are they educated to deliver the best results for the business? through to KPIs, driving, you know, the KPI dashboard should drive the cadence and everything around the business. It's your levers that you're going to be pulling throughout time that help you adjust to get to the best outcome possible. And so, you know, I go through each of the layers, but they're all equally important to the overall cake. And as a go-to-market leader, you know, you have to investigate and analyze every element of the cake. So, I believe that, you know, the fondant and and the cherry on top is the fun and the excitement and the recognition that you put around the cake to create the culture of your selling organization. But you have no culture if you can't win and you, you know, you lose significantly more than you win and you don't have the foundational elements to build the cake. Yeah, some of the things that I think have been, you know, really interesting in this series and talking to C-level execs about, about RevOps is, you know, first, first off, just how, you know, sales ops and marketing ops, historically, like pretty siloed things, customer success ops, like if it even exists sort of a thing, or like maybe, maybe in there into like more of like a unified function for certain organizations, where that thing rolls up to, does it roll up to CFO? Does it roll up to CRO? Does it, you know, live in like under the COO or somewhere else? You're curious, like, where do you think RevOps should live? Should it be more of a consolidated thing? Should it be more of something that, that you know, lives in more functional areas? What, what do you think about it? So, uh, you know, I think if you have a cross-functional role in a corporation, you should sit in a department that has cross-functional responsibilities. You know, I've seen it roll up to the chief of staff, which is a really good place for a revenue operations, marketing operations, sales operations function to live. I've seen it roll up to sales. I've seen it roll up to the CFO. And I and I think it depends on the nature of your business, how you operate, the size and scale of your business will determine where that those functions roll up to. But I will say something, you know, as a, as a go-to-market leader, I don't need to build fiefdoms to build success. And I have to work with my sales operations team, my marketing ops team, if your BDR organization or your SDR organization lives in marketing or sales, it shouldn't matter if you're driving the revenue engine, re- where they report to, but rather aligning them to the goals and objectives of what the business is trying to accomplish is probably paramount to you know the, the, the place that they report to. And what does that look like for you? What does that look like for sure? So we have a revenue operations function that lives in finance and that's, you know, a traditional, this is how we book revenue. You know, this is the AR attribution of a deal. We have a sales operations function that also reports into finance. Our marketing operation function reports into marketing, you know, and I actually had to pause for a second to think, where do they actually roll up to? Because 
I'm on calls with these people every day and, you know, I don't give them a direct mandate on what they need to do, but I encourage them to help support our organization the best they can. How do you think about sort of the, the, you know, many mouths to feed in terms of sales, marketing, customer success, and, and where do you, where do they get the most attention? In terms of my attention, all parts are equal. And it's important, you know, we, we have a, we have a narrative at Sugar, right? Customer success is non-negotiable as an employee of our company. So, you know, we have to make sure our customers love us, they're happy with us and that we build a working relationship with those customers. So, but inside of that, my attention does pivot from point to point within a given week, month, quarter, year based on the KPIs that I'm looking at to facilitate success within the business. So if I have a deficient pipeline, I'm going to be spending a lot of time with the marketing team and the BDR organization. I'm going to be rallying the sales team around how do we build pipeline that sustains itself because pipeline is the fuel for the revenue engine in the business. And that can never be forgotten. But, you know, there are times where we have to put an emphasis. When I first joined Sugar, our renewal rates were good. Now I think they're great. And, uh, you know, there was a point in time where there was a huge emphasis on how, how are the mechanisms of customer success driving, you know, better renewal rates for our customers and how we interact with our customers. So I look at my job as, a, you know, basically the pivot point for where we need to focus and what we need to do to course correct on KPIs that I see that are driving the business. Tell me about some of the projects that you have going on at, at, at Sugar right now. Uh, there's never a shortage of projects, right? We've rolled a bunch of new sales functional capabilities out that I think we're going to talk about in a little bit here, but we are learning and growing with the use of intent data with the use of first-party website data and how we collate that information to be smarter about how we approach prospects and customers. I always tell the story to my team, right? We have, we have this bucket of tools that we use. The data doesn't lie. It's how you interpret the data and it's what you do with the data and your level of curiosity with the information you're looking at will direct the outcomes that you have. We're, we're, putting a lot of emphasis right now at verticalization strategy here at Sugar. So recognizing that we're a CRM platform, we have great success in specific industries, and we're looking to really double down and going after those industries. And that's from a messaging perspective, that's from a product perspective, that's from a pipeline and lead flow perspective, you know, everything we're looking at right now is a pivot point to verticalization for the business, as I think it's a natural part of any any horizontal SaaS application like CRM. And then how, how are y'all doing using Sugar on, to run revenue growth? You know, it's funny. I have a presentation that I will give to customers. If a prospect would ever ask me, I would deliver it to them. And it's how I use Sugar to run Sugar. It's a really fun presentation because, you know, I've worked at other CRM providers. You can see that on my LinkedIn profile. And I can I can attest that in those environments, in those companies, I never used the CRM tool that we were selling. We're not very often. All of my reports were given to me in PDF or Excel format. There was a sales operations team that basically delivered the goods to me. But when I wake up in the morning, I live 
sleep, eat, and breathe sugar CRM. And so, you know, when I when I think about one of the key initiatives around pipeline generation, and this was a big thing, right? I joined the company four years ago. We had a deficient pipeline, and I could see that statistically inside of the reports that I would look at. You know, we we created a huge rally cry around pipeline development. You know, we call the pipeline saves lives, and it's kind of tongue in cheek. It's kind of fun, but you know, pipeline is not just the responsibility of a marketer. Pipeline is a responsibility of everybody that runs a go-to-market function. So reps are re- required, our partners are required, our marketing department, our BDRs and SDRs are required to build pipeline. We build that pipeline inside of our sugar application. And, you know, we we focus heavily on intent signals now. We focus heavily on site visits. And, and you know, I always tell my team this, you don't roll out of bed and start researching sugar CRM because you felt like it. You know, companies that are showing intent signals, companies that are researching our products and services that we offer likely have a budding initiative and how do we engage and how do we interact with them? But we embedded all of those key metrics inside of sugar. So we took an ABM platform with Triblio and Triblio gives us basically a score for accounts that are showing in market. And we can see exactly what intent topics they're researching. We can see exactly what web pages when they hit. I know when we've served them an ad on LinkedIn. I know when they hit a certain score because it orchestrates and it sends an email to the rep. It sends an information into a dashboard inside of Sugar. So we're trying to get as sophisticated as possible around the lead generation engine, but not doing it in a plethora of places. Therefore, having reps going into six different applications, go into sugar, you know, all the information you need is there and you can make a decision on how you engage with that prospect or customer. Like you said, nobody just is is sitting there eating their, you know, <laughs> breakfast like, hmm, I think today's the day that we're going to switch over to, to sugar CRM. When you got into dug into those accounts and started looking at those intent signals and and looking at those accounts that had you know a, a a potential to buy, what were some of the things that sort of like surprised you or or surprised you in the way that you weren't going after them previously? You know, I, I'm going to date myself here, but when I was at a company called CDC Software, we would go out, we'd spend ten thousand bucks, fifteen thousand bucks, buy a list of names and phone numbers. And we would walk around the office. It was literally here. We're distributing all these names and phone numbers. Yeah. Start start dialing for dollars. It's super demotivating. It's you have to find a needle. It's horrible, right? It's a horrible experience. It's awful to think back. That's how we did it, right? And 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 those were called leads. Those are called leads. (laughs) You're like that's not a lead. No. Someone's. Someone's email address is not a lead. That no. is- and when we fast forward to 2023, right, we have these intent signals. And, and the question is, how do you capitalize on the intent? What do we learn? What do we glean from? The, and there's actually some really interesting byproducts. We found out about what we can do with intent data. But if somebody's circling the wagon, you know, circling sugarcrm.com, we can see them on LinkedIn doing research because if you have LinkedIn Sales Navigator, you can see that information. You can see them inside of, you know, we have neon intent data, we have G2 crowd intent data, 
we have Bombora intent data. And when you can see an organization that's surrounding itself with key topics, there's a couple scenarios. One is I can see them circling around sugar. Those are the easiest ones because we know exactly who they are. We know what location they are from, and we can start to build our engagement model. We use sales loft for outbound cadence and start to pull them in to having a conversation with us because we know that you know the buyer's research takes 65 to 75% of the journey before they actually engage with the vendor. And so we want to be sensitive to that. But what's really fascinating about the intent data, and I'm going to tell you a quick story that I thought was really interesting. If I have a customer that uses sugar, there is a there's a anatomy of how they operate if they're thinking about leaving sugar. And I don't think this is is, is specific to sugar. I say it's across the board, you have a notification period for termination clause in any contract, right? So 30 days prior to renewal, I have to give notice. Very rarely does your customer tell you until that 30-day point, and then you get a infamous, we're canceling, we're canceling, we're not renewing the subscription. So I call it my early detection warning system. This is something that came from us prospecting is Every CSM in, in, inside of our organization gets a weekly report. If you're wall-to-wall sugar and your intent signals are showing our competitors and buying signals for other solutions, we probably need to get back into that account. And that's usually happening 12 to nine months before the actual notification. And that 12 to nine months, we don't know what's happening inside that account. It gives us an early detection warning system that says, hey, this account might be thinking about leaving us and we need to engage with that customer. But a true story, when we first turned on the Triblio ABM, now it's designed for marketers. And when Claire Dorian, my CMO, was out in the market looking for ABM platforms, I said, oh wow, Claire, if we could take that data and put it into the hands of sellers, if it is as accurate as I hope it to be, I think we have a game-changing offered on our hands that we can leverage to build pipeline. First time I ever get my intent report, it was, it said guitar center, Bombora intent score 100 on the topic of sugar CRM. I'm like, hallelujah. I'm reaching out to the CIO of guitar center. I don't know who else to reach out. So I send him a private note and I said, Hey, I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm trying to understand something which means he's probably going to respond quicker than if I gave him a pitch. I said, this is what I'm seeing in my data. I'm trying to reconcile it. He comes back and says, hey, Jason, that's fascinating. But at Guitar Center, we use another solution that we're in the middle of rolling out. So not sure I can help you. So I put my head down, walked away, and I said, geez, what's wrong with this? What did I do wrong? Five days later, no word of a lie, my CEO gets a a LinkedIn message from a wholly owned subsidiary of Guitar Center uh, and the people from that division. So I didn't go deep enough. I was just, I figured the CIO would know a project and they're like, hey, we used to use Sugar. We're not going on the corporate mandate. We were just acquired by Guitar Center and we want to spin up a an instance really quickly here. And, and the moral of the story is the data doesn't lie. It's what you do with that information. It's how you interpret the data it's how deep you go into the account as, as an individual seller, as a CSM, you'll find your answers every time. 
it, it's like clockwork. That's super cool. What a great, what a great story. Any other thoughts on, on sort of like RevOps or, or strategy here or, or those type of ways that you're using sugar to run sugar? Sugar has this innate capability and I'll, and I'll share with you, not a shameless plug, but just the reality of, of what we do. And I like to equate it to if you, if you were a product of the 1990s, when you had your, your tube televisions, you watch friends, Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld, or you watch something on TV, think, think about how you would do that, right? You would be okay. Seinfeld's on at nine o'clock on a Wednesday night. You had to be ready to go at nine o'clock. The only time you could get up and walk away from the television was to go to the restroom or whatever, but that was at a commercial break. It's on and people, you'd come scrambling back, trip over a footstool or something just to get back in the room so you didn't miss a second. Sugar has a time-aware CDP, and our time-aware CDP is, in my opinion, the secret sauce of why we can run the business using sugar. And basically it's like Netflix. I can start a show anywhere I want. I can rewind. I can fast forward. Most CRM products on planet earth are point in time. If a rep updates the deal value from $10 to $10,000 and I come in after the update, I see $10,000. And that's the only data point that I understand about a particular opportunity. Our time aware CDP takes snippets of time in the information and allows me to triage backwards and forwards. So a great example of this is at this point in the quarter, I have, you know, 13 days left in the quarter, 14 days left in my Q3. My boss will say, JR, you're woefully behind on your number. We have inside of our system, the ability to look at where we were today, today, last quarter, the quarter before that, the quarter before that, and you can track your progress against historical information, but we also see conversion rates. We get alerts and and notifications around all of the KPIs that we need to operate and run the business by, but it's time aware. So things are changing inside of the system. I'm aware of those changes that are happening and understanding the, the material impact on the business and, and how I can pull a lever to make an improvement on performance. It's very sophisticated, but it's very powerful. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, it's very powerful. Okay, let's get to our next segment, Rev Obstacles, where we talk about the tough parts of Rev Ops. Obstacle, obstacle. An obstacle to what? There's your obstacle. Do you have a hardest Rev Ops problem that you faced lately? The ongoing challenge that you know we have is is consistently building pipeline. We're in a market of 800 pound gorillas. It's a constant evolution. We have to stay nimble around the development of pipeline to sustain the revenue growth that we're having and the expectations of growth. So, you know, it's a challenge in the sense that we're always focused on it. And, you know, it's something that we're always looking to evolve. I'll give you an example. So, you know, we do something called Shark Week. Shark Week is a dedicated week of prospecting efforts by our partners, our reps, our CSMs, our BDRs. They get into teams, they, they rally around building pipeline 
building pipeline is an everyday activity. That's probably what you're going to say, but we actually make it a very focused effort that we put spiffs and incentives around these teams driving pipeline. But what's more important than the activity is the takeaways and the learnings that we get from driving pipeline. What objections are we getting? What is something that's working? What isn't working? Because we we seek to optimize the development of pipeline for the business. I love that. I think I've heard of things like that before, but I love the way that they that you looked at it there. And like yep. I've seen that stuff happen where you where you do an engagement like that and you're like, hey, let's let's look at, you know, everyone in the company and, and see like what are our connections into these places, how we can get these conversations, how we can, how can we prospect business, how can we do it in a creative way? And you're like, wait a second, Jerry and Jane both know the you know, CMO of this com- of this company, like, wait, how come we never talk to them? And then you send a LinkedIn message and you get a meeting. And like, that's the sort of stuff that I think I love the idea of sort of, a you know, taking it in the army, we call it a tactical pause, taking a tactical yeah. pause and saying like, hey, we're all doing all these, you know, things every single day, spin our wheels about all this stuff. Let's just take a second and focus and figure out how we could more strategically look at certain things and and get all the effort and all the energy sort of going at one one time. I love it. And that's kind of yeah. like what events do. Like that's like part of the reason why people like events is you chuck your sales force at a thing and then all this is, you know, you stir up all the dust and then once it settles and you're like, "Wait a second. You know, and that's it's but yeah, Shark Week. I love it. That's great. True story, just real quick. You know, the, there is a power of connecting the dots and I think the future of RevOps sits within that capability. LinkedIn's working on the team link and other things, which are which is a portion of it. True story. This week I was looking at some inbound leads that came in and I'm like, oh yeah, I bought 12 automobiles off of this dealership network and know the the founder and I know the general <laughs> manager over there. But I only bumped into it because I was looking at one report inside of Sugar and when once you connect those dots, I'm like, they lend me a Corvette for a weekend just because, and I'm like, oh, awesome car, I'll take it for a drive. But I'm a good customer there as I've been to their gala events, and now that power of the relationship just explodes, right? Now it's not just this vendor coming in to present. There's personal relationships. There's a history of transacting there, and you know, I only put the dots. To, I connected the dots together because I saw something on a report. Whereas if you could automate that, you would know that I've emailed that that group of car, car dealerships 300 times from my corporate account as I'm buying cars and, and what have you. So, you know, connecting the dots, I think, is a huge component of the future of RevOps for any go-to-market leader. There's so much that's, that's dark that's just like sitting in your email inboxes that, that- of you know, stuff that you've communicated with, with people in those accounts. And if it's not all flowing the right direction and it also, you know, yeah, like LinkedIn is like one part of the, of the puzzle there, but back to the, you know, back to the shark week piece, any, any tips for like, if someone wanted to do that, wanted to like run that same play and set something, something like that up. So a couple of things. One is we like to let the BDRs be the team leads as we build the teams, make it fun and exciting. So we we give our teams names. We have money allocated to it. Not that money is really required, but it's that extra push 
we measure it, we talk through it. But if you don't take away the learnings from a company-wide prospecting activity and really synthesize those so that in the day-to-day efforts for prospecting, you're probably missing something, you have to come away. You have to understand we built X millions of dollars of pipeline, but here's what was working and here's what wasn't working. There's there's probably an enablement session that can come from that, that can help every seller, every BDR, every marketer, and everybody in revenue operations hit success because we can learn as a collective. Okay. Any other any other rev obstacles or rev oopses or, or anything like that? Yeah. It, look, there's always rev oopses. There's always rev obstacles. You know, it's as a conductor of the orchestra, you know, you, you can pull a lever or you can think you're going to adjust something and, you know, something different as an outcome happens. I, you know, I think it's super important, you know, when I look at the general KPIs of the business, which by the way, they roll up to the board of directors for sugar. These are serious metrics and KPIs that we operate within. And if a KPI is trending in the negative direction, it's never, it's not always just one little fix to course correct that. You can pull a lever, course correct one component of it, but still have other issues. You know, I one of the things that we implemented was a pre-call planning task list, basically. So, you know, if you have you know, deals that you take down the line and you look back and say, hey, that company made no decision. Where where did that happen? Did that happen when you're in stage four, you know, 190 days into the deal, 200 days into the deal? Or did, did, did that potentially manifest itself from your qualification? And so we're putting an emphasis around doing your research and qualification, asking the tough questions because that sets the table for what a future successful outcome looks like. And and there's so many data points around a customer or prospect that with a high degree of curiosity, with some structure around it, you know, you can be, you can go into a meeting a lot more prepared to ask the hard questions by just understanding the general landscape of that company. I love it. Okay, let's get to our next segment, the tool shed, where we're talking tools, spreadsheets, and metrics. Just like everyone's favorite tool, Qualified. Qualified is the best tool. You can go to qualified.com to learn more. No B2B tool shit is complete without Qualified. Go to qualified.com. Check them out. They've been with us since the beginning of Rise of RevOps. And they're just the best people in the whole world. So go check out Qualified. Qualified.com. Hey, hey Brandon? Michael? Want to do me and mom a favor? Get off that shed? This is my favorite place. (laughs) The tool shed. What is in your tool shed, Jason? I have a lot of tools in my tool shed and and each provide a very different lens on what we're trying to accomplish. So, you know, obviously my, the, the tip of the spear is my sugar CRM instance and all of the vital information that we capture about our customers and prospects. I talked about it earlier, but you know, we have Triblio, which is a foundry company embedded into sugar. And that gives us first party data. So the website visits that people have, it also gives us the marketing team, the opportunity to run hyper-specific ABM programs and campaigns to those accounts. 
It gives us the ability to visit and understand the intent, not visit, but understand the intent that those customers and prospects are exhibiting. But we don't stop there, right? That's that's a great lens. It's a great view. But if you want to go deeper, you know, we have G2 Crowd that comes to our desks every day. So mm-hmm. if you go on the G2 Crowd, you research Sugar CRM, you have intent signals. I know that that's happening. And that's also manifested through the Triblio platform. But we also get a separate G2 Crowd report. I play in Bombora religiously. I look to figure out what the optimal intent data structure should be. I play with reports. I look at them. And then what I will very commonly do is take them and I will upload those accounts into Lead Forensics. And Lead Mm -hmm. Forensics will spit out a list of companies that are in market based on the intent topics and the taxonomy that I choose. And it will show me what percent of those companies are actually visiting our website. So, you know, we have Lead Forensics, we have Triblio, we use Bombora Intent. As part of Triblio, we have Neon Intent, we have G2 Intent, we use LinkedIn Sales Navigator. It's it's the foundation for a lot of really valuable information around your customers and prospects and using it properly. You can use it to prospect. I don't personally use it to prospect. I use it to keep tabs on prospective customers, what they're doing, what the news and the markets are saying to check out their intent on the LinkedIn platform. But I also use it to look at any actions or things that are happening inside. So if a customer of mine files for chapter 11, I'm usually sourcing that with LinkedIn Sales Navigator and learning about you know what's happening inside my customers with regards to it. We also have access to several other tools you know, the beautiful thing about our industry is there's something called tags on people's websites. So we mm-hmm. use a product called Built With. And Built With, I can I can pick a particular product, take their tags, run a report, extrapolate that report and say, here is a list of paying customers of this particular product. And we can use that to target within the ABM programs, or we can use it for outbound calling exercises because we want to do a rip and replace program or campaign. I would say we're not a heavy Microsoft Excel shop because you know most of the information that we gather around exists within our sugar platform and therefore, you know, diminishes the need to be spreadsheet jockeys. Yeah, which is which is music to First time in my career, first time in my career where I wasn't living inside of Excel or a spreadsheet. I'm living inside of sugar. Information's changing in real time. I have all the access and the reports that I need to run and operate the business. It's so funny. Like, I mean, I expect nothing less, but you have such a a futuristic B2B modern marketing stack. And and even still, you're like, yeah, this is still the first time in my business that I haven't had to go like lop on over to, to Excel to work on stuff. Like, it's just crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy. It's good. We have a very good stack and, you know, it's an evolution. It's, you know, we, we are constantly learning, trying new things, making mistakes, you know, interpreting of information and you know, I'm always asking my friends to see if they're doing anything like it. Most of them are not for what it's worth. You know, they might have bits and pieces, but then 
you know, they minimize the need for these tool sets. But I think a few futuristic RevOps functions around data as the foundational layer to build pipeline, which is the fuel for the revenue engine. And it starts with data. You have to use the data. It will help you grow and scale at cost than just throwing millions and millions of dollars at building pipeline. I couldn't agree more. I'm curious, you know, you have so much intent information there using so many different sources, which is freaking rad. I'm curious about sort of those, like the 95% of buyers who are people who are not like in a buying cycle. How are you looking at shaping those accounts like pre that 67% of, 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 did you, uh, did you listen to a conversation I had this morning internally? So <laughs> in, inside the Triblio platform, there's a very powerful, powerful, powerful tool called smart pages. Hmm. And you know, what, what I want to do and what I aspire to do with these smart pages, and, and we're at the tail end of, of a project that we're about to implement, and the smart page is basically this. It's taking the constructs of ABM, right, which is an account-based marketing solution. Think of it as a microsite, but they're specific to the company that's viewing them. And when you take that information, you put it into a smart page, what I told my team is this. I think a lot of people using sales loft use the opened category as a success metric of they read that email, right? There's a read, unread, deleted, whatever in terms of sales loft. And I said, the ultimate, the ultimate place we want to be at is somebody's not on our website triaging, trying to find information. We'll collate the information that we think is most relevant. We will share that with them. And forget about looking at opens and sales loft or, or red as a category. Watch because we have the tools, the consumption of that data in those smart pages. You'll know if there's if they're interested in what you've had to say. Sending out 10, 15 people inside of an organization, a specific note catered to them with a with a branded landing page, microsite off of sugarcrm.com that only they go to to consume content. That means I can go hands off. I know that I've controlled the narrative around the content that they can consume. Some of that content, by the way, isn't even available on sugarcrm.com because it is a one-to-one ABM type program. We're developing it for the customers and the prospects. We're delivering it to them and we can sit back and instead of saying they opened an email, but they never responded, the best response you can get is watching them consume the content on your web property 100%. and knowing exactly what they've looked at. So I think that's a that's a different way to control the buyer's journey and to have them have really rich content that hopefully hits and solves some of their business problems. Yeah, I mean you're preaching the choir as someone who 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 you know has a company that does you know video podcasts as a service. So we the the richness and the depth of of the content I think is like incredibly underrated like people are just like hey we made a bunch of stuff we threw it out there and you're like yeah but that wasn't really for this specific type of person at this specific time like that's the thing it's like the the depth and the richness there is really what matters and so much stuff is just you know scraping at the surface and you know we as we always say there's no traffic on the extra mile like if you go the extra mile with your content you know people will actually you know watch and listen and pay attention and be taking yep. notes. Like I've been taking notes since, you know, you've been talking today, you know, like that's, that's like, you got to make it good enough that, that it stands out. Yep. For sure. 
Okay. Any other thoughts on, I know we talked a lot about, you know, data there and tools, any blind spots, anything that you're investing in? Always looking to improve on the tools and the data. I think we have the right set of tools, although I want to check out Connect the Dots because I think that sounds interesting. I think that we have a great set of tools. We now have to take those tools and make them perfect in terms of how we operate with the data because we have the data. And that was a big gap four years ago when I joined. The data was all disjointed and disconnected. We sit here today and I could look at, you know, XYZ Corp, some some random company. I can tell you, hey, they're looking at SAP. They've been on this web page. They have a score of 89, which is exceptionally high. They're showing in market. Now I have to figure out what is the appropriate engagement model. And I think that that's a continuous learning exercise for us as a business. I love it. Final segment, quick hits. Do you have a, a favorite thing that you're watching, reading, listening, anything like that? It's funny because I love to read, but I decided to do something, you know, like your favorite movies, right? You don't just watch your favorite movie once, you watch it multiple t- Usually you watch it multiple times. So I dusted off, I went into my book collection and I dusted off Jim Collins, Good to Great, and the switch or switch by chip and dan heath and i started rereading them to reinvigorate some things that you know i used to really believe in and earlier in my career and so i'm kind of going back and being nostalgic reading reading some older books that had influence on me if you could make any animal any size what animal would it be and what size would it be (laughs) jeez that's a really interesting question. I would probably make, I'm just thinking for a second, I would make lions the size of cats. Love it. And the final question, if you, what is your best advice for someone who is newly running a RevOps or a go-to-market team? So I'm going to tell you a very quick story. Sure. Very quick. In 1984, Van Halen went on the road. During that tour, there was it was it was of epic proportion, pyrotechnics, highly complex stage setup, and inside the rider, the rider's a contract between the venue and, and the band, they said that they did not want brown MMs. And and it got published like in Rolling Stone magazine and Spin magazine as Van Halen was a bunch of prima donnas. They didn't like brown MMs, so they didn't actually put brown M&Ms in the green room in the bowl of M&Ms. Have you heard this story before, by the way? I've, I've, no, I've heard of it, but yeah, keep going. So the reason Van Halen had no M&Ms in the rider was that when they would show up to the show, if the bowl of M&Ms had brown M&Ms in it, it meant somebody was missing detail of what was in that rider. If they forgot about the brown M&Ms, What's not to say they didn't wire the pyrotechnics incorrectly or if the electronics you know, system that they had running the stage was wrong. So it was a cue point, right? And the cue point was, we're going to put some tests and fails in place to see. You're running a RevOps team, understand the level of detail you need to have. If you're new in a role, the first report you're ever going to run inside your CRM, the very first report, I tell my team this, so if they're watching, they know what I'm talking about. Past due opportunities. Mm-hmm. 
Past two opportunities is the telltale of the brown M&Ms. Are people paying attention? Are people not paying attention? A lazy field that's not attuned to data and information and not leveraging information will likely have old laggard information inside CRM, which means they're not keeping their business pristine. So how can I go give them intent data and expect they're going to prospect when they can't even keep their opportunities inside their own CRM system up to date and accurate? So I would say get a cadence down, understand your cadence with the field, communicate and articulate the goals and objectives of what you're trying to accomplish, right? Make sure people understand, but roll up your sleeves, get in the weeds, have fun with it, put your culture, put your fun into it. And, you know, the byproduct is it's a really hard job. Like the outside looking in, people go, oh, the sales team, they're the rich people that have all this success. But the reality is a great seller is told no 70% of the time. And yes, 30%, that's a great seller. If you're best in class and you're winning 30% of the time, you, that's successful. It's a hard job. There's a lot of notes. There's a lot of learning that has to come out of it. Get your cadence down, get your team on the bus, drive in a direction, let them know what the expectations are, train those people, make sure that they understand what's required to be successful in the job. Don't fear failure, fear not learning from failure. That's an epic story. I love that. And I, I love the past two opportunities being the canary in the coal mine there, being the brown M&Ms. Same I'm, in my time in the military. It's like, that's why you have short haircuts and have to shave, right? Because if you see someone walk into formation, they have long hair and haven't shaved. You know that if they're screwing that up, then they're probably screwing everything else up. 100%. Jason, absolutely wonderful having you on the show today. For our listeners, you can go to Sugar CRM dot com to learn more lots of cool stuff lots of cool resources they got a podcast and a bunch of cool stuff on the website so go check that out jason any final thoughts anything to plug no i just want to thank you for your time today i've really enjoyed the conversation you know i think what you're doing for revenue operations is an amazing thing because you know as a community there's always something we can do different something we can be better at love your podcasts and I'm super honored and privileged to be a part of it. Oh, so, so honored to have you on the show. Uh, it's been wonderful chatting. We'll, we'll talk again soon. Great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Rise of RevOps. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and subscribe wherever you're listening. This podcast was created by the team at Qualified. The Pipeline Cloud is the modern way. B2B revenue teams generate pipeline. Learn more at qualified.com.